0: good morning church it's so wonderful to see you all if you're watching online here this morning we'd like to just welcome you invite you to uh, just comment and let us know that you're here and watching this morning we also have online hosts available for you if you have any questions or you want to connect with somebody one or one feel free to do so Well, let's just stand this morning as we prepare our hearts to go into a time of worship. the glory and honor and praise to our Father. Amen. We have a new song that we'd like to teach this morning. It's called There's Nothing That Our God Can't Do. This song is so amazing because I think it says it in the title, There's Nothing That Our God Can't Do. In my personal life, I've I've seen him deliver someone I love from cancer, from cancer treatments. I've seen him take good people that are in a bad situation. And he's able to take them out of it. I read a quote the other day from one of my friends and it says this, faith shouts and declares God's faithfulness before the victory is ever seen. God has already won. I don't know what battle that you may be facing this morning, the battles that we all face, but just know that there's victory already found in it. So we're going to praise him this morning because there's nothing that he can't do and there's no... No deep, wide valley that he can't bring us out of. Amen. So let's sing this chorus together.
1: There's nothing that our God can't do. There's not a mountain that he can't move. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that our God can't do. Sing with us. There's nothing that our God can't do. There's not a mountain that he can't move. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that a God can't do. Amen.
2: Can go ahead and be seated for a moment. This morning we have an opportunity to come together to uh, to celebrate communion, and I love communion because it's an opportunity for us to celebrate our identity in Christ. It's an opportunity for us to celebrate the work that God is doing in our lives, in our community, through our church. And so, a communion is an important time for us. I was reflecting on uh, a few passages this morning where where Jesus was sitting around the table with his disciples. And I was thinking about the group of guys that was around that table. Those were not extraordinary men. Um, those were men that uh, were tax collectors. They were men that were broken. Judas is scared at this time sitting at the table and he'd be the one that ultimately would uh, would uh, you know, turn Jesus in to the Pharisees. And so when you look around the table it is, it is ordinary men that God has called into relationship with himself for extraordinary purposes. And so I think many times we feel like we're not worthy to come before a holy God. Well here's the the news about that. We're not. <laughs> Which is why it's so important that we have a relationship with Christ as we think about what it means to come before a loving and holy God. So communion is an opportunity for us to reflect back and remember that point that God called us into a relationship with himself. It's an opportunity for us to evaluate our lives, to make sure that there's nothing that's standing between us and our experiencing spiritual growth. It's an opportunity for us to, to celebrate and look forward with eager anticipation what god wants to do in our lives today and ultimately throughout all eternity so i want to encourage you this morning if you have a relationship with christ uh, we're going to invite you to come forward to uh take the elements we have a a bread and a cup that's available for you and you can take that back to your seat and take communion uh, as the lord leads you and so you can do that during this next song but i just want to encourage you if you have questions about our relationship with Christ. If you have questions about communion, we would love the opportunity um, to talk with you. So if you're watching with us online this morning, we hope you've had an opportunity um, to get your communion elements together. If you've got questions about communion, about how to have a relationship with Jesus, we would love the opportunity um, to talk with you. But Jesus was sitting around that table at that last supper with his disciples and he lifted the bread up and he broke it. He said, this bread is reflective of my body that's gonna be broken for you for the forgiveness of your sins. And after they'd finished eating, he lifted the cup up and he said, this cup is reflective of my blood that was shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Whenever you eat this or you drink this, do this in remembrance of me. And so as we partake of communion together this morning, let's take this as an opportunity to remember, to give thanks, and to pray that God would continue to draw us closer to himself. Father, we just thank you for this day you've given us today, and we thank you for the opportunity we have to come together to to celebrate communion in this way. God, I pray that you would draw us into a closer relationship uh, with yourself. I pray that for those that need to cross that line of faith, God, that you would work in their hearts, that they might come to know and and just the love that you have for them. And for those of us that have a relationship with Christ, God, grow us in our faith. Help us to have an ever-increasing sense of your presence in our life. We look forward to all that you have for us. We commit ourselves to you and for you and for your glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So you can make your way to the front to take your community elements back to your seat as the Lord leads. And then after you're done this morning, you can put your cups in the trash can on the way out.
0: So much for sacrificing your son on the cross. God, you sacrificed one and only love for us, for your humble servants who were separated and deserved none of the blessings that you have now given us. Father, we just thank you so much for the grace that you've given us that we have never, ever deserved. Saving us from a sinless life full of suffering and doom and brought us into your glory to share with you your kingdom. We just thank you and we love you and we praise you this morning. We give you all the praise. You may be seated.
3: Well, good morning. Good morning. Uh, My name is Brian Ford, and I have the privilege of serving here uh, on the Elder Board. I also have the privilege this morning of introducing Pastor Appreciation Month. And so at Springbrook Community Church, we appreciate our pastors. And it's not just about October, by the way because pastors are serving not just on Sundays. They serve throughout all the week and throughout the months and throughout every night and all kinds of calls beyond just teaching and preaching on Sundays. They sacrifice. And there's a calling that they're following through on God's word. So we want to make sure that we're appreciating uh, our pastors. And uh, today I get to um, introduce or appreciate Pastor Richard. And so uh, Pastor Rich has been with Springbrook for 15 years, this month, actually. So round of applause for that, 15 years. So him and his wife, Carolyn, have been serving here that entire time. And so if you know Pastor Rich, you know that God has definitely gifted him an activation and execution, and so he has just a heart for everything executing the things of God. And so, uh, for me personally, I know he's been a mentor for a lot of the men and, and folks in our congregation, he's been a mentor as well. So, uh, make sure this month we appreciate pastor rich. And, uh,
4: so as we appreciate our pastors this month, I just want you to know, leave, leave your pastors a card. If you choose, if you feel led, you can put money, gift cards, whatever, however you feel like you would like to appreciate them. We have out in the atrium. Just this morning, a basket that's put out there. So as you bring in cards this month, drop them in the basket and we'll give them to the pastors at the end of this month. The second pastor that I get the privilege to introduce and appreciate is Pastor Jeff. So Pastor Jeff joined us in this summer and he is our discipleship and family life pastor. So really responsible for the true depths of where we grow in our small groups. So he's responsible for the ministry, the, the oversight of all of our small groups and for the future of the church in our youth ministry. And I do truly appreciate just the heart, the sincerity, and the conviction that Pastor Jeff has about this. So if you would, show appreciation also to Pastor Jeff this month. Thank you. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Good morning, welcome to Springbrook. We are so glad that you are with us today, and um, I am so grateful for our pastoral staff. Uh, Jeff, Tim, and Joseph, um, it is such a privilege to be able to work along uh, men that are seeking after God, that wants, want God to be glorified and what, what's best for us at this church. And so we have a great pastoral staff. We have 11 staff members. We have a great staff at Springbrook. And uh, we have uh, seven men on our elder board. I'm so grateful for our elder board. And we have 75 leaders at uh, Springbrook that are leading ministries and investing in the lives of others. And I am so grateful uh, for our leadership team. And I'm so grateful for each of you. (laughs) So God has just uh, been so good uh, to Springbrook. And it's a privilege and a pleasure for me just to be able to lead uh, through this ministry and what God has for us. And so we are glad that you are. Uh, here with us today, we're continuing our uh, series, uh, Trite, uh, Not True. But I just want to welcome you. And so if you're watching with us online, uh, there's a place for you to, uh, to indicate you're with us this morning. You can text uh, here to this phone number. You can scan the QR code if you're in person with us this morning. you have got a connection card that you can fill out um, if we can pray for you in any way. But um, we'd love the opportunity to celebrate that you were uh, here with us this morning. So please uh, take a moment just to, uh, to do that. And I just want to encourage you as we move into the fall, there are so many uh, exciting things happening as we move into the fall. Too many for us to highlight every Sunday. <laughs> and so I was talking to somebody last week and I said, well, I didn't know we were doing that. I was like, well, it was on the, it in an email, it's on our website, it's on our app. We did an announcement. Um, we do our best uh, to communicate uh, with our church family some of the exciting things uh, that God's doing. But I want to encourage you to visit our website frequently if you have not yet downloaded our app. We want to make sure that we keep you informed of opportunities that we have to help you connect and grow in your faith, uh, to be encouraged by others, and to really just to get to make friends and have a good time because it is so uh, fun when we're able to, uh, to come together and celebrate um, who we are together. In fact, we have a Springbrook Fall Festival coming up on October 28th. We're going to have a tent in the back. Um, we've got a jumper for the kids. Um, we're having a chili cook-off. I know many of you have already signed up to bring chili. We're going to have hot dogs. Uh, we're going to have games. We're going to have a blast. And so I just want to encourage you to mark your calendars for that. If you want to bring chili, I've seen, I'm going to, I'm I'm looking forward to judging some good chili. I think we're going to have a whole bunch of different types of chili. If you want to bring chili, uh, just let us know what kind you'd like to bring, Uh, but we will have food uh, there as well. But uh, please come out and join us for our Springbrook uh, Fall Festival. We're going to have a a good time. And then also I wanted to let you know, uh, just uh, mark your calendars for Marriage Date Night. Marriage Date Night's coming up on November 11th. Um, we have a team coming in, uh, a comedian, an actor, and some worship. And uh, if you've attended, how many, if you've been to a marriage date night in the past, you know how much how much fun it is. It, the, the guy with the hands is, I'll come back every time just to see him. But it is a good time. It's a great opportunity to to have a night out with your spouse, go out to dinner, come back and uh, join us for marriage date night. Tickets are on sale for that. We're going to have those available out in the lobby. You can buy those on our website. But mark your calendars now. And more importantly, invite somebody to come with you. The last time we went, we went out to dinner with a couple and uh, had a great dinner and came back and enjoyed marriage date night. But please uh, come and join us for that as well. You can get your tickets. Um, If you're interested in helping us serve for that event, uh, be sure and let us know uh, that as well. And then lastly, we have uh, the bookmarks for, we're in fourth quarter of 2023. So I put those bookmarks out by accident in January, and I thought, well, it's going to be the end of the year, and they're out already. So we have fourth quarter bookmarks. If you've been reading through the Bible in a year, we've got the fourth quarter bookmarks out there, and then we're kicking off a new uh, 13-day plan on knowing God's will for your life. And so if you want to jump in uh, on that reading plan, it'll supplement some of the things that we're talking about as we go through this um, series. We want to help you. I get the most out of our time together as we move through this um, series uh, together. We're in a series looking at statements that on the surface appear to be true, but, there's, but there might not ne- necessarily be true. There's more to understand. And we throw these flippant f- phrases around and we want to take a look at some of those that get thrown around. Um, to get the most out of this series, I just want to encourage you, you know, be here each week with us. Um, you know, talk with others about what you're learning. Jump into that YouVersion Bible app. That reading plan is a great way to talk with other people. Um, get into a small group. It's not too late. Um, or if you're not in a small group, you can uh, sign up for Right Now Media. You can go through this series on your own. You can pick up a workbook. We have some of those all left out in the ministry center counter. You can pick one of those up um, today. Um, if you want some help figuring out how to get connected, just text us, you know, visit the website. But help us help you get the most out of this series. Today we're looking at the fact that uh, one of the trite statements that gets thrown around a lot is that um, you are never safer than when you're in the will of God. And so sometimes we, uh, we heard that expression. Some of these expressions, I you know, let go and let God, have. I hear that a lot. But sometimes we feel like, hey, if we're in God's will, then we shouldn't be facing problems. And so there's this idea that we're never more safe than we're in the will of God. And so we want to unpack that um, a little bit. Last week, we kicked off the series um, looking at uh, uh, just what it means for God to open and close doors. And it's been so encouraging to hear the stories of how many of you have engaged just with last week's study. And so I had multiple conversations last week about how God opens and closes doors, where is God's will in that. In fact, um, we have... Ten people from our community that we've connected with through our GLUE initiative. It's reaching our community for people that have questions about God or relationship with Christ. And so we've got 160 people that we've connected with, and 10 of those have signed up for an online virtual study to go through this study uh, next week. And so if you're watching online, hey, we're glad you're here. If you made your way into the building, we're glad you're here as well. Uh, But the conversations, the opportunity to engage with people about something as simple as common phrases— uh, that uh, we hear a lot, has really led to a lot of fruitfulness conversations about who we are in Christ. Um, we're talking about looking at um, God's will. And uh, really what this series is really about is understanding and knowing the will of God. And uh, just through those conversations, through my own personal study and looking through that study last week, um, something occurred to me that um, I've always known. I mean, it's not, uh, you know, any new knowledge, but uh, but there's a reality that hit me with regard to our perspective about this series. It's how God's word, the Bible, collides with our word, our world. And I love that word collides because the Bible is countercultural. And as we go through this study together, as we look at these Bible passages, it is it is colliding with things that the world might teach us or things that they believe. And so it's a collision between God's word and things that we think that we know or things that we've heard From a worldly perspective, and so it's a collision, and it really has messed up our identity. And so there's an identity crisis um, that we're facing culturally, and none of us are exempt from it. For example, my identity is not as a pastor. I am not a pastor. That's not what defines me. That's not who I am. I am filling the role of a pastor, and I love it. I love ministry, but that is not where I find my identity. This is a position. It is a role that I am filling. And I have other roles as well. I am a husband, I'm a dad, I'm a grandpa, I'm a chaplain, I'm a terrible speller. I don't know if that's a role, but it's true. (laughs) And so our roles do not define our identity. That's not who I am, and that's not who you are as well. Who I am, who I am, is created and loved by God for his purposes, for his plans, and for his identity and for his, uh, for his goals, and for his, for his will. And so my identity is in him for his purposes, his plans, and, and for his glory. And that's who you are as well. And that is contrary to what the world teaches us about understanding our roles. You see, you are not defined by your role or your title. Whatever it is, doctor, lawyer, student, sports athlete, you know, think about all the roles that we play in this world. And, and those are not what define us we can celebrate those. Those There's something to be excited about when we think about our roles and how God's using us, but our roles do not define us. This is how the world would try to define us, but we find our true identity only before a holy, loving God. And that's what this series is about. It's coming to grips with what we find in scripture versus what we find in the world. This is not a new problem. Beginning in Genesis chapter one, we see God's original design for us, right? We're physically in his presence, and we would have lived forever, I might add. <laughs> we're physically in God's presence, we're married to spouses, and we're working in the garden. Those are all pre-fall identities. We're physically in God's presence. He's walking with us, and 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 Adam and Eve were together. This is the, you know, this is why. The husband leaves his father and mother and clings to his wife and so marriage is a from a biblical perspective is something that is designed before the fall our identity is to work in the garden and be in relationship with god and that's our identity before the fall and then what happens is we get to genesis chapter 3 and it all goes south from there doesn't it genesis chapter 3 the woman saw that the tree was good for food It was a delight to the eyes. The tree was desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit, she ate. She also gave it to her husband who was standing right there with her and he ate. And the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Our eyes have been opened and we are influenced by a fallen and broken world. And that fallen and broken world will give us a fallen and broken identity about who we really are. I sure wish I could change that day if I could go back and say, don't, don't eat. <laughs> but I can't. The good news is, is that we can begin to recover and pursue God's original design for us through Christ. That's the good news about our relationship with Christ is we can begin to recover and pursue God's original design for us. We call that sanctification. We call that growing in our faith. And we looked uh, several weeks ago about John uh, chapter uh, 17 where Jesus prays for our sanctification and for those that will believe in him through us. And so that sanctification, that that growing in faith is recovering God's original design and purpose for us. You know, but the reality is, is that the world doesn't get to define our identity. We have been we have been created in God's image for his glory. Isaiah 43, 6 says I'll say to the north, give up. To the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar, my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, who I have created for my glory, who I have formed and I have have made. And so we talked about that last week with regard to our understanding, our identity. We have been created by God for his glory, which is why Paul was able to say in 1 Corinthians 10 that we looked at last week, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, whatever you're doing, do all for the glory of God. Last week, we saw that God opens doors. He closes doors. Those open and close independently uh, for his purposes and for his glory. And today, we're going to be looking at the second statement in our series, which is the fact that uh, you are never safer than when you are in the will of God. Does God care about our safety? Oh, you bet. God does care about our safety. But are we always safe? safer when we're in God's will not necessarily that's not true there are sometimes God moves us into areas where where we're not safe but he is still present with us and so God does care about our safe our safety but we're not always safe in, in his will And so we're going to look closely at what it means to be safe in God's will our uh, grandson i've got three grandkids now and Ezra's the oldest and he's going to be 5 and uh he loves to play hide-and-seek. And, seek. and uh, when we first started playing hide-and-seek, he'd go hide, and he'd, he'd hide, like, right there by the chair. He's like, oh, he's hiding right there. He's hiding. And I'd be like, where are you? Oh, there you are. <laughs> but as he's gotten older, he's getting pretty good at it. So he's figured out, oh, Grandpa's coming. And the uh, last time we played hide-and-seek, it took me a while to find him. He was, in the, he was in the dining room, hiding underneath the table in the chairs. But it was so funny, because the closer I got the more I could hear him wiggling around. <laughs> you know, he was trying to find a good hiding spot. You know, I think about Ezra. I was reading through uh, 1 Samuel 19 uh, recently, and I thought of my grandkids, and 1 Samuel, um, the Israelites, um, asked for their first king. It would be Saul. And that is another story. If you, if you get a chance, read through 1 Samuel chapter 8. If you want to, you know, when people start talking about the government and, you know, all that kind of stuff, just go read through 1 Samuel 8. We brought it on ourselves. <laughs> They wanted a king. You're going to have a king, and so. Uh, but Saul is appointed the first king, and but then God raises him up, uh, and then he raises up David to replace him, and so Saul gets a little salty about this, and so uh, he gets upset by this upcoming change, and so as a result, he wants to to kill David, and so we have our first two kings. Uh, we have a problem right there, right off the bat. But in First Samuel 19, uh, there's a secret place. That is described as a place of safety, a safety from something. It's a covering. And 1 Samuel 19, the story starts to come to a, to a head. It says, Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, to all of his servants, that they should kill David. And so at this point, he's upset with David enough about being replaced that he wants him gone. Jonathan's son, uh, Saul's son, Jonathan, found delight in David. He liked David. So Jonathan went to David and he said, look, my father seeks to kill you. Therefore, be on your guard in the morning. Stay in a secret place and hide yourself. I'm going to go out, stand beside my father in the field where you are. I'm going to speak to my father about you. And if I learn anything, I'm going to tell you. And so Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, let not the king sin against his servant David because he has not sinned against you because his deeds have brought good to you. He took his life in his hands. He struck down the Philistine. And the Lord were great salvation for all of Israel. He said, you saw it back then, and you rejoiced. He rejoiced initially until he found out that David was gaining a reputation that was better than his from his perspective. And so as a result, he wants to kill David. But I love what Samuel says to, or what Jonathan says to David. He says, my father seeks to kill you. Therefore, be on your guard in the morning. Stay in a secret place. And hide yourself. You know that secret place of is a place of safety. It's safety from something. It's a it's a covering. It's a hiding spot. And every time I think about that, I think about Ezra trying to hide underneath that chair or underneath that table. But there's there's a place that we can go to experience rest and safety and security in God and in his presence. And 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 Jonathan tells David, go find a secret place. That's what that secret place is. And David finds such a good hiding spot that later when Saul does finally catch up to him and find him, at one point, they're actually in a cave together. And David is hiding in the cave. He's hiding in the very back of the cave. And then Saul goes in to go to the bathroom. I love this story (laughs) because it just hits the reality of human, right? We all go to the bathroom. So David's hiding. So he's hiding in the back of this cave. And, and David goes, and he's hiding, and Saul goes in there, and, and, the, and Saul comes to the sheepfolds, which is a place where they keep the sheep, and there's a cave there. And uh, and he goes in to relieve himself. And David and his men were sitting in that innermost part of that cave. That was the hiding spot that he had found. And so David is back there and, and he's hiding. And so if you listen to the rest of the story in in chapter 24. Saul returned from following the Philistines. He was told, behold, David is in the wilderness of, um, in Galilee. And then when, he, uh, when, when Saul got there, he took 3,000 men out, all of Israel out seeking David. And uh, he came to the sheepfolds by the way where there was a cave. Saul was in there to relieve himself. David and his men were sitting in the innermost parts of this cave. And, and then the men send to David. They start to talk. They start getting giddy. And so as, as Saul gets closer and the men say to David, here's the day which the Lord has said to you, behold, I will give you an enemy into your hand and you shall do to him as it as you, it shall seem good to you. And then David arose and he stealth, stealthily went out. He found Saul and he cut a corner off of Saul's robe and he said to his men, the Lord forbids me that I should do this thing to my Lord, my Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him seeing that he is the Lord's anointed. So David persuaded his men with all these words and did not permit them to attack Saul and Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way and so in the midst of this hiding place this covering there's still the risk of exposure especially when the guys all start yakking I mean the closer I get to Ezra it's like oh there you are and so they're in the back and so even though David has found this secret place this hiding place this this covering there's still the risk of exposure there isn't there I mean, he could have heard them back there talking. David was in a secret hiding place of the safety in the back of a den, and Saul is right next to him. You know, that is not safe, but he's in a place of safety. He's in close proximity to danger, but yet he is in safety. And David would frequently write about our ability to find safety in the presence of God. In Psalm 18, that David would write, about how God kept him safe, specifically coming off of this story. But then he also talks about the safety that God provides him through various other trials in his life. In Psalm 18, if you've brought a Bible, you can turn with me there. We're going to be looking at Psalm 18. And David's writing about the security and the, and the safety that he has because of who he is in Christ. And so let me get to Psalm 18 here. Beginning in verse 1, David confesses his love for the Lord. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock. He is my fortress. He is my deliverer. And God is my rock in whom I will take my refuge. He is my shield. He is the horn of my salvation. He is my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. I am saved from my enemies. The cords of death encompassed me. The torrents of destruction have assailed me. The cords of Sheol have entangled me. The snares of death have confronted me. In my distress, though, I called out to the Lord, my God. I cried out for help. And from his temple he heard my voice, and he heard my cry, and they reached his ears. And so David is acknowledging that in times of his turmoil, his strife, and in his trouble, that he's able to call out to the Lord, and it's in the Lord that he finds his safety. Verse 3, he says, I called upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. In other words, God has a different purpose for him than the purpose that his enemies had for him. <laughs> Saul had a purpose for him and he wanted him dead because he he was tired of the threat. And so, but God had a different purpose from him. He wasn't removed from the danger, but God had a different plan for him. His enemies had a plan, but God saved him from that plan because he had another plan. So he's still in danger, but God's safety comes from being in the will of God for his plans and for his purposes. But that doesn't mean that we're not going to have trouble. We're still going to be in places where there's danger. We're still going to be places where there's trials and tribulation, and, and so David cries out and he recognizes that God provides the safety that he's looking for. David describes that place as a, a place of hiding. It's a place of secret. It's a place of, it's where he's saved from trouble. He uses that same term in Psalm 32 when he talks about God being a hiding place for him. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. So David is acknowledging that God would preserve him from trouble. Some translations talk about being protected from trouble. And so if you're reading an NIV, for example, it says that you are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and you will surround me with songs of deliverance, making it appear as though trouble will not come our way because we're protected from it. But that's not a proper understanding of what's being communicated. David says that you'll be preserving me from trouble. In other words, the trouble will not affect me. I am safe, but I am surrounded by trouble. I'm, I'm protected from it in a sense that it's not going to affect me. I am preserved through it. It's not going to affect me. And the idea is that we will all be preserved and protected in times of trouble. It does not mean that we're not going to have trouble, that it's going to mean that we're preserved or protected in it this particular verse in Psalm 32, um, David is praising God for God being a refuge for him and preserving him for the trouble that he was already in. You know, this is soon after he got uh, confronted by Nathan with his affair with Bathsheba. So God worked in spite of his circumstances in the midst of his trouble. David is recognizing that with all the trouble going on around me, you're preserving me through it. It reflects the idea that we can seek God's protection and shelter during times of difficult, the difficulty and danger. And so it's the idea of being preserved in it, not being spared from it. It does not mean that we're not going to have trouble. It means that we're going to experience safety when trouble is there. Our ultimate safety is found in God's word, which Ephesians 6 talks about. Paul writes that we ought to put on the full armor of God so that we might be able to stand against the steam schemes of the devil. And so God will preserve us or he'll protect us while we're in trouble. He's not necessarily going to keep us from trouble. God will provide us safety. We know that God cares about us. He loves us. He's concerned about us. He will provide safety. But we also know that God does not always remove us from trouble. We're going to experience trouble. In fact, Jesus tells us that we need to experience trouble in, in uh, John sixteen thirty three, He says, I'm teaching you these things. You have scripture. All these things are to prepare you for the fact that you're going to have trouble. I'm saying these things to you that in me, you might find your peace. In the world, you're going to have what? You're going to have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus is speaking to his disciples shortly before he would be led off to be crucified. And he acknowledges that in the world, we're going to have trouble. We're going to have tribulations. And he, he assures us that our ultimate victory is going to be in his overcoming the world. We're going to have trials. We're going to have tribulations. We're going to have problems. We're going to have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. And Jesus is preparing us for the challenges that we will have as followers and prepare us for the ultimate victory for which we find in him when he overcame death on the cross. He's overcome the world. And he assures us that we can put our confidence and our, find our peace in him. And that's the peace that Paul had as he was embracing God's will for him. I you know, looked through scripture. We were talking earlier about, you know, different people that would love to have a conversation with. Paul as a guy that um, I've always had an affinity for because, man, Paul just went, <laughs> Paul, went through, Paul went through it all. And he embraced God's wisdom and God's plan for him, you know. Through it, he writes in uh, First and Second Corinthians eleven, speaking of his faith journey. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews forty lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten uh, with a with a rod. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. I was on frequent journeys. I was in danger from the rivers. I was in danger from the robbers. I was in danger from my home people. I was in danger from the gentiles. I was in danger in the city. I was in danger in the wilderness. I was in danger at sea. I was in danger from false brothers and in toil and in hardship through many a sleepless night in hungry and in thirst, often without food, in the cold and exposure. Eight dangers lists for us here, and there 's some significant Physical challenges that Paul's going through this. And listen to what he writes in the next chapter in the 2 Corinthians 12. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. I'm going to boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness. I am content with insults, hardships, persecutions calamities, for when I am weak, I am made strong. Paul finds his contentment in his identity in Christ, not in his job, not in his bank account, not in his role, not in his retirement plan. He does not find his security and his safety in any way that the world would define it. He finds his contentment Because of who he is in Christ. Paul found his safety. He knows that he is protected and preserved and safe from his trouble because of his identity in Christ. And so when we think about what it means to be safe in God's will, we know that God cares about our safety. He wants us safe. But we also know he allows us to get in times where we're going to experience trouble. But he's there with us, which is one of the things I love about Psalm 23 even though I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear not because the Lord is with me. Our safety comes from being with the Lord, not being spared from the circumstances around us. God will provide for our safety. He cares about our safety, but he does not remove us from trouble. And when we acknowledge the presence of trouble and we are looking to Jesus as the source of our safety. It is there that we're going to be able to accomplish God's will for us. The Bible reflects the human need for God's protection and deliverance during times of trouble. We all need protection and deliverance during times of trouble. At the same time, it also acknowledges the reality of the difficulties that we face by living in a fallen and broken world. Our encouragement is to find peace in the victory of Christ over our trials, our tribulations, our troubles, those things that we'll experience. And by acknowledging the presence of trouble in the world and by looking to Jesus as the ultimate source of our refuge, our safety, and our peace, it is there that we're able to find that peace that only God provides as we accomplish his will for us in whatever circumstance we find ourselves in. And so we know that God is faithful. God will provide for our safety. He is faithful. God is faithful. Second Thessalonians says he is faithful. He will establish you. He will guard you against the evil one. God cares about us. He will protect us from the evil one. He promises to guard us against the evil one. And that's probably the most important promise because we all face constant spiritual battles. We are barraged by battles from the evil one. Satan wants to nothing more than to steal, kill, and destroy. But God is faithful and he establishes us in Christ and guards us and protects us against the evil one. And we don't talk a lot about Satan. We don't talk a lot about hell. Those are things that typically don't come up in conversation. We embrace the love that God has for us. We embrace the idea that he loved us enough to send his son and give us the assurance of spending eternity in heaven. But the reality is that that world is fallen and broken and Satan, the evil one, is out there seeking to destroy our identity. He's seeking to destroy our identity. He's seeking to tear us down and God offers us security in that through Christ. He will establish and guard us against the evil one as we put on that full armor of God. He is faithful and he will protect us. And we also know that God promises us to strengthen us, to help us and enable us to to do the things that he's called us to do. In Isaiah 41, we don't have to be afraid of what's happening out there. We don't have to live in fear of our circumstances. Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will... Uphold you with my righteous right hand. You know, there are times when we have absolutely no strength left. There are circumstances in our life that we just think, I just don't know if I'm going to get through this day. And when we get to that point, we can turn to passages such as Isaiah 41 and know that God promises to give us the strength and the help and the endurance that we need to see us through what we're going through even though we might not feel like we can go on. And I know I've been there. I know many of you might be there right now. But at these times, we can count fully on the promises of God, that he will strengthen us, he'll help us, and he'll give us endurance. Jesus seated at the, is seated at the right hand of the Father at this very moment, upholding us in Christ through the righteous power of his right hand. He will sustain us and endure us so that we can fight that good fight to the end. And we also know that God will supply all of our needs according to his will and his purposes in Christ Jesus. God will supply our needs through Christ who strengthens us. Philippians 4.19 says, My God will supply every need of yours. God will supply our needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. You know, this passage is an encouragement of God's faithfulness. It's an encouragement of God's ability to meet the needs of his children, both materially and spiritually, as we live our lives out for him and for his glory. God loves the entire world, He loves the world enough that he sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. But for those that call on his name, for those that believe that he is is God, that he died on the cross for our sins, for those he gives the right to be called children of God. And there's a security that comes only from knowing who you are in Christ. That's where our identity lies, and that's where our security comes from. And if we look out to the world to try to find our identity or our security, we're going to hit a wall every time. Our identity should be firmly rooted in Christ. And when it is, we can know that God promises to meet every single one of our needs according to his riches and glory. You know, that passage is a reminder that we can be encouraged, that God has a plan and a purpose for us. And when we seek God's will out, it needs to be in light of understanding of who we are in Christ and what it means to live for his glory. God will provide for our safety. We know that God will provide for our safety. We also know that God does not remove us from trouble. Some of those troubles refine us. Some of those troubles bring God's glory. Some of those troubles result in other people coming to faith in Christ. And so God's got a plan and a purpose for us in any trial. And by acknowledging the presence of that trouble and looking to Jesus as a source of our safety and security, it's then we're able to accomplish God's will for us. And so how do we respond? We, We place our trust in the promises of God for the protection from the evil one. We pray for protection from the evil one. We pray for the strength and the help and the endurance to see us through our trials and our tribulations. And we pray that God would continue to supply all of our needs. And so when you find yourself in the midst of trouble, know that God is with you. You're not there alone. You are never safer than when you are in the will of God. But we have to understand what it means to be safe. Our safety and security does not come from anything of this world that comes from resting securely in who we are in Christ and encouraging one another as we seek to live out our faith. And so I just want to encourage you this morning, if you have questions about a relationship with Christ, that's where safety and security begins. <laughs> Understanding what our identity is. Do not let the world define your identity. Understand your need for a relationship with Christ. Make a faith commitment. Those that confess their sins, they confess Jesus as Lord, they believe in their heart God raised them from their grave, they will be saved. And our our salvation, our security, comes from placing our identity in Christ. And So if that's something you have questions about, man, we would love the opportunity to talk with you about that. And if you have, if you've made that faith commitment, then, then you're not just waiting around for Christ to return or for heaven. I mean, we are growing in our faith, and we are encouraging one another in our faith. And so it's steps like, you know, getting involved in a small group or you know, taking the step of baptism or learning your spiritual gifts or serving in ministry to build up the body of Christ or living missionally to reach our community for Christ are all things that God would have for us as we grow in our faith and seek to accomplish what he has for us uh, through Springbrook Church. And so we are so glad that you are with us um, today. I hope that you were encouraged. If you have any questions about how we can help you on your faith journey, um, please let us know. Uh, you can write that on your uh, connection card there on your chair uh, you can text uh, Next Steps to that number. We'd love the opportunity to pray with you and uh, encourage you as God seeks to uphold you uh, and accomplish his will in you and, and through us together. And uh, well, thank you for being here. Would you pray with me? Father, I just thank you for this day you've given us today. I thank you for the reminder that we are safe in your will because we are redefining what safety is. It means that we understand our identity in Christ. And I pray that you would continue to encourage us in our faith. Thank you for the opportunity we have to encourage one another. I pray that your spirit would continue to pour itself out on our congregation as we seek to be effective at reaching our community for Christ and encouraging one another in the faith. We look forward to all that you have for us. We commit this day to you and for you and for your glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Please stand as we continue in worship this morning. Mm-hmm. and uh, just getting involved in Springbrook and all that we have. Thank you for joining us for our corporate time of worship and our corporate teaching. We hope to see you next week. Just go in peace. Thank you.